Life is full of intense hardships, isn't it? And I use that word intense for a reason. Many of us go through physical, mental, social, emotional, spiritual, and even financial hardship. And Psalm 62 can address our adversity. The psalm was crafted by King David in a time of intense hardship. It was either composed when Absalom, his very son, sought to dethrone him, or when Saul, David's rival, sought to murder him. And considering this political unrest that David experienced, the psalm highlights David's growing confidence and clarity as he drew closer to God in his time of pain. Waiting silently for God, David found rest in him, the ultimate source of his security. And as we reflect upon this psalm of confidence, I pray that we will also find security in God alone, especially in parts of our lives which are endangered or threatened by the world which we're living in, this world which is decaying, this world full of intense hardship. I want to firstly look at the first stanza of the, start of the psalm, verses 1 to 4. In these opening verses, the word alone appears twice. The psalmist says, David, my soul finds rest in God alone, verse 1. And then he says this in verse 2, God alone is my rock. The words rest and rock help to indicate that God alone is his security, his salvation. Think about a solid rock in our country, maybe Uluru. This Australian landmark appears to be strong, solid and unchanging. Hands up if you've been next to Uluru or touched it, a few of you. It's solid and amazing, isn't it? If I were to say, you are my Uluru, I would also be saying, you are my strong, reliable support. You are a robust thing in my life. And when David says, God alone is my rock, he's saying, God is my strength. This thing that gets me through each day, the being who gets me through this present hardship that I'm facing. And so amidst the intense pressures that surrounded him, God remained a very firm foundation for his life. David then illustrates the intense pressures that he faced in verses 3 and 4. He experienced assault, betrayal, deception, and curses. If you have a Bible, look at verse 4. David's foes come to him pretending to desire to have a consultation. These men speak words of goodness upon David, but in their hearts they curse him. The word for curse refers to earthly, unspiritual, demonic activity. Like Satan himself, these men were expert deceivers, seeking to cast David down from his throne, his high position as the ruler of Israel. And so the cruelty of David's foe was a direct contrast to the security he found in God alone. 
These men were not offering David security. Only God was able to do that for him. And friends, like David, there'll be moments in life that will make us feel threatened and endangered. And like David, we should be confident. God, the rock of our salvation, our security has entered into our adversity in the flesh, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. This is why Jesus Christ offers us security. John chapter 10, verses 28, 29 says, I give my people eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Nothing, no adversity can separate us from the warm, secure embrace of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we come to him, receiving him as our king, as our savior by faith, our only true security in life and death is Jesus. I find this truth comforting. For like David, adversities will come, as I mentioned before. And to use his example, there may be people who enter our lives and seek to restrict our security in Jesus Christ. In youth ministry, I remember seeing the faith of several teenagers threatened. Due to the severe pressure to conform, these teenagers often had to choose between belonging to their social circle or belonging to the kingdom of God. If the social circle discovered that they were a closet Christian, the teenagers would often be severely bullied, labelled old-fashioned, homophobic, brainwashed, maybe even dumb. The social pressure in the school was so intense that on several occasions, these teenagers who attended my youth group would often ignore my presence in the school. Their personality completely changed in this suppressive environment in which they entered into each day, but only for a time. To help the teenagers find security in Christ alone, I decided to launch a lunch group ministry in the high school. I encouraged all the Christians in the school to gather. We enjoyed fun, food and fellowship. We prayed and read the scriptures together. Over time, these students grew in confidence. Despite the bullying they faced each day for even attending this Christian group, they no longer sat on the fence. They decided to stand fully for King Jesus. They stopped placing one foot on the solid rock, which is God, and one foot on their social circle foundation. They decided to place all their trust, all their security, all their hope, all their strength in Jesus Christ. And so these teenagers encouraged me deeply. And so I want to ask you this question. Is Christ your rock of security in times of intense pressure? I would like to look at the next stanza as well. Verses 5 to 8. We see that these verses modify the first two verses of the psalm. There are small, three small differences. Firstly, rather than saying, my soul rests in God alone, David now says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. This modification of the psalm 
intensifies David's desire to find security in God. Secondly, rather than saying salvation comes from God, David now says in verse 5, my hope comes from God. This is more of a stylistic change of the psalm. And thirdly, rather than saying, I shall not be greatly shaken, David now says, I shall not be shaken. By removing the word greatly, David's sense of security in God has intensified. By having God as his rock, he knows that literally nothing can disrupt his, his faith. The confidence that David has in verses 5 and 6 is now greater than the confidence that he experienced before he suffered persecution. We then see the fruit of his growing confidence in verses 7 and 8. David desires his kingdom, all his people, to experience the security that he himself now enjoys. He says to his people, trust in God at all times. He also declares, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge, not just my refuge, our refuge. God is not hoarding, so David is not hoarding this security that he's experienced to himself. David longs for others to experience this refuge and strength. For when we truly experience the security that God offers us, we long for others to taste it, don't we? A life of bold evangelism, for example, often flows from a life of robust security in God. He who cannot rest in God cannot proclaim this rest to others. Finding God's rest should lead to proclaiming this rest with those around us. It could be as simple as saying, man, that hymn at church today really touched my heart. It gave me a sense of God's presence especially as I go through this time of recovery and agony. Imagine if you said that to someone who doesn't have this refuge or strength. They would consider it, wouldn't they? They would wonder, wow, that person has faith. What is it about that person which is different to me? Friends, I mentioned earlier about the teenagers I once discipled. I spoke about how they began to place all their trust in God. However, there is more to the story. After taking these students away on a youth conference in Katoomba, the preachers spoke on the book of Daniel. The theme of the conference was standing for the king, learning to be bold in the faith. As these teenagers engaged with these 40-minute talks, they then broke up into small groups. These 2,000 teenagers gathering together engaged with questions like this. Do you think it makes sense to care more about what people think than what God thinks? And why is standing for Jesus worth it, even if people hate you for it? As the teenagers wrestled with these questions and drew closer to God, I could see the Spirit convicting their hearts and minds. I could see them place their trust more firmly in King Jesus. I could imagine them declaring with David, God alone is my rock 
and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. After we returned home from the conference, life returned to normality. However, however, something was different about these teenagers. The teenagers not only experienced a deeper sense of security in God, but they also wanted others to experience this security. Within six months, the lunch group doubled in size. The teenagers were inviting their friends to hear the gospel, even if that meant that they would become discriminated against because there was harsh bullying in this school. While at times there was tears and defeats, the teenagers who remained steadfast started to produce fruit. People were becoming active members of the local church. On a Sunday, literally at the contemporary service in which we had, there was two rows at the front filled with unchurched teenagers. People were becoming active members of the local church. It was great to see in a season where faith was endangered and threatened more than they had ever experienced, the message of Christ crucified was bearing more fruit than we had ever seen as a church family amongst the teenagers. When we deeply experience the security of God, we should also desire others to experience that awesome rest. This rest is found in Christ. The Christ who died on the cross for our sin to make us right before God. This is the Christ who declares, Come to me, all who labour and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That is eternal security, life without end, in the presence of God. And it brings comfort to our soul now. And so since this rest is so good, please share it. Please share it. If you know someone who is going through adversity, why not open up Psalm 62 and share this truth that God is a great refuge for our souls? Show them that Jesus is the rock. And by showing them this truth, may they sing, truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. I'd like to just look at one more stanza here. It's the final stanza, verses 9 to 12. David now contrasts the security of God with our human morality. Like a wisdom teacher, David declares that the low-born men and high-born are only a breath. Human life is no more than vapour, something that is seen for a split second and then disappears. Playing on this idea, David also says, if weighed on a balance, human life, it is nothing, for vapour cannot be weighed. Looking now at verse 10, we now realise the madness of trusting in worldly ways rather than God. David says, put no trust in exhaustion, set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set set not your hearts on them. To place our trust and hope in earthly things 
is to build upon a foundation that will crumble to the ground. Even if we have a legacy on earth, usually this legacy will only be remembered for one generation at best. Life is vapour. Even the wealth of Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, will vanish. There is no security in earthly treasures. As one pastor said on this psalm, only a heart set on God will last. This truth remains today. If, our, if we place our trust and hope in earthly things, it will not last. Jesus speaks about this in Matthew's gospel. When speaking to the rich young ruler, he said, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I get, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The point is severe. Earthly treasures, for example, wealth, are deceptive and also intoxicating. These things fool a person into thinking that he or she is self-sufficient apart from God. The opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ is finding security in things that are decaying. That motorbike, that dream home, that perfect body. Without Jesus placing our whole lives into his strong, safe hands, there is no hope for the human race. Jesus offers us resurrection hope, life without end. He's now standing at the right hand of God saying, look at my physical body. If you want to stand with me, in the throne of glory as a physical being that does not decay, trust in me and you'll be like me. You'll be glorified children of God with me. Receiving Christ as our Lord and Saviour is therefore foundational and fundamental to the Christian faith. Christ is our only hope in life and death. And I love the lyrics of a song called In Christ Alone because it highlights this truth. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest droughts and storms. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. Amen. Amen. There is no security, hope, strength, rest outside of enjoying an intimate, eternal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Christ is our security alone. And if you're experiencing the harsh, painful, depressing adversities of life right now, please know that you have someone to lean onto. God, Jesus, the rock of our salvation. And so press into him all the more. Amen. Amen.